Today we're speaking on the book of Acts, and we're talking about lessons we can learn from the early church. Those of you who probably know the Bible is given to us in two sections, the Old Testament, 39 books written before Jesus came, and the New Testament written after Jesus went back to heaven, there's 27 books of those. Well, in the beginning of the New Testament, we find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the Gospels. It's kind of like Jesus in the middle of an intersection, there's four men looking at the same object. And they describe him as a king, as a servant, as a man, and as God. Well, in Acts chapter 1, that Jesus, after dying, paying for our sin, being buried for three days, and going back to heaven, he is with 120 of his disciples on Mount Olivet, where he will come back again uh, seven years after the rapture. He'll come back again. And um, he said when he comes, and he'll put his foot on, on, on Mount Olivet, he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. That's what the Bible teaches. You got a better idea? You can think of one, but that's what God said. Now he says, he said, now I'm going to leave you. And he left them and went back to be with his father in heaven. He said, if I go away, I will come again and I'll receive you unto myself that where I am there, you can be also, Jesus told his disciples. And they just stared up there and Jesus went up. But he said, I want you to go over to Jerusalem and you stay there until you be endued with the Holy Spirit's power. Ten days later on God's timetable, not theirs. On God's timetable, Jesus went up in Acts. The Holy Spirit came down. When the Holy Spirit came down on people, they went out. And they began to speak to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then people began to come into the kingdom of God. Those 120 turned to 3,020 on one day's time. As time went on, the Bible tells us in the book of uh, Acts chapter 3, that Peter and John were in cooperation. They had uh, competitive spirits before. And boy, the work of God does not need any more competitive spirits. We need cooperation. And we'll get that when we pray and we seek the Holy Spirit's filling. filling. Well, they came together at the hour of prayer. They're walking. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to the temple to pray. They walk by a man who is crippled. He is over 40 years old. He has been laid there by his family on a regular basis. Everybody who goes to the temple sees him, and some of them probably flip him a coin or they give him some, a mite or something every now and then because he's on there, and they can see he's crippled. He can't walk, and he can't get up. He can't do anything for himself. So his family brings him there, and he just puts his hand out and says, Can you help me? Can you help me? And while he walked, he looked at Peter and John, and Peter and John said, You know what? I don't have any silver or gold to flip to you today. But what I have, I can give you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So we have two Christians cooperating together, and they meet a crippled man who is lame. And uh, they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And it was Jesus who healed him, but it was Peter's hand who picked him up. By the way, it's teamwork that makes a dream work. God can save anybody he wants to save however he can, but he's chosen to make you and me ambassadors with him. He's chosen to use human instrumentality. I guess he could probably, if he wants to, get a bus that can drive itself, but he's chosen to have men and women drive the bus. He doesn't probably need us to teach a Sunday school class or to go soul winning or carry a gospel track in our pocket. He doesn't need us to give our tithe and our offering. He doesn't need, he can get a rock to give something. Or, he doesn't need us to sing praises to him, but he chose to let us do it. He said, if you don't want to do it, the rocks can do it. I mean, it's not a big deal. 
But he has chosen to put you and I in a way to serve the Lord and to partner. He calls it like this. We're laborers together, not for God, but with God. We're laborers together with God. And Peter and John figured that out, and they cooperated with God. It was always the power of Christ, never our power. We're always infused with power. But it was Peter's hand that picked him up, and the guy stood up, and he had never, he had not walked in 40 years, and he's up and running around, jumping, excited, as you and I would be if we got healed. As a result of that, he went everywhere, and Thousands of people had walked by him, so they could not deny that something notable had been done to this guy. And then they started saying, man, you guys are awesome. And he said, hold the phone, Joan. That's in the Greek. <laughs> he said, no. no, 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 it's not us. If you want to know how this happened, it was the name of Jesus. It was the power of Jesus, the one that hung on the cross a few weeks ago on, in Jerusalem, the one that was killed and brought by Roman, in cohorts with the Romans, with the world, as well as the Jews and the leaders there. And we hung on a tree and he was buried and he rose again. And, and after he began speaking to them and telling about the resurrection, he had a large audience. As a matter of fact, at the conclusion of his message, he was approached by the police. The leading group of the Sadducees came down and they came and they saw that Peter and John and they were nervous because there were thousands of people there listening intently to his message. As he gave the gospel to them and told them that he, Jesus is the one who it's all about. It's not about us, it's about him, it's about his death, his burial, his resurrection, and anyone who would believe that could be saved. Then they're approached by the police and say, we need you to come with us. We've been asked, we've been sent to come get you. At the conclusion of the message, 5,000 men, the Bible says, who heard the message said, I'll take Jesus. I'll get saved. So the church went from 120, 3,120 to 8,120 real fast. In just a matter of a few weeks, growth has been blessed and, and there's been challenges. But this early church is experiencing a lot of, a lot of things going on. But they had to spend the night in jail. They, they kept them in jail. The next day, they, they had them arraigned. They brought them into the kangaroo court they had there. And they said, you know, hey, tell us by what name you've done this miracle. And they said, oh, listen, let me just tell you, it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. He said, well, now look, you sound like you're trying to throw that back on us. Like you're trying to put his blood on our hands. Remember what they said just a few weeks later to Pilate? Whenever he said, you know, I don't want to sit the innocent man. He said, his blood can be on our hands. Now they say, you're putting his blood on our hands. So this is not the way it's supposed to go. You're, you're making it like we're guilty of killing this guy. And he probably said, well, you read the paper, right? <laughs> That's true. That's what happened. But he said, listen, you're not going to be going around and speaking in his name anymore. This is enough. So, so, so no more talking about this Jesus. And that's where Peter said, hang on a second. He said, whether we should obey God or man, you decide. But we cannot help but to speak of those things which we have seen and heard. He said, we're going we're gonna to keep talking. He said, you better not. And they threatened them and sent them away. 
And that's when we come to our passage this morning in Acts chapter 4. I need to quickly share a few thoughts with you. I can't wait to tonight's message, because we're going to talk about something every Christian can do. And if you can only come this morning or tonight, I would suggest you come tonight to the service this evening. I think it'll be the better service, and you can just get through this next few moments. Okay, here we go. Let's look at chapter 4 and verse number 23. And being let go, so now they had had this threat given to them. They threatened to punish them. But they said, we're not going to punish you right now, but if you ever say anything about Jesus again, we're going to do it. Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own, what? And reported all that the chief priests and the elders said unto them, I'm so glad for the fellowship of the house of God. Aren't you? I'm so glad I got a company of people that I get to serve the Lord with. I love you and I thank God for the love you have for me and we have love for each other. It really is not about you and me, it's about us. But I'm thankful that there is a group of people that love Jesus Christ who are called out assembly, who are committed to the Lord. And he said, whenever they left the courthouse, they spent a night in jail. And I'm sure they wondered, where's, where's Pastor Peter? Where's Pastor John? Where are they at? They didn't come home. They probably knock on the door and said, honey, did your, did your, uh, John wasn't married, but Peter was. Did your husband come home? No. Oh, man, what's going on? They kept him. And they saw them march off with the police. They didn't let him go. But when they got released the next day, they came, and they came to the company of believers. There's something special about being in the house of God, with the people of God. Something special about fellowship. Something really important. There is, the Christianity was not made for mavericks. If you want to do it by yourself, that's not the way God designed to do it. You are not lions and tigers and bears, nor am I, but we are sheep, and sheep need to be together. There's a purpose for God putting us together, causing us to come together and hear God's word, to fellowship with one another, to work together, to serve the Lord together, and even to bear burdens together. In Galatians, the Bible says, and bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Today, I, I don't know if it's true, but we want to lift up those who are hurting, we heard about Ron passing away and Mrs. Humphreys passing away. And we want to be an encouragement to each other. When you find that a family is going to go somewhere to serve, well, we ought to encourage them. We get a missionary family to join us. The God's souls are here. Well, someone ought to go over there and pray with them and just say, God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you. We want to encourage one another. That's what they did. They came back and said, here's what happened. It wasn't really easy. We spent the night in jail, and we don't really know what's going on. But they told us this, and we told them, we have to keep talking about Jesus. By the way, a godly, purposeful church that God honors is a church that speaks about Jesus. We're supposed to be lights, but we're supposed to open our mouth and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever you are. I was talking to a man this week, had something kind of negative happen to me, but I said, Lord, if this is going to happen, I don't know why it's happening, then I pray that you would please give me a chance, a platform to talk to him about And boy, I did. Through that negative thing, I got to talk to Daniel and, and share the gospel with him. I got to talk to Omar and Mohammed and share the gospel with them. Had a little track in my, my briefcase that had, a, um, had, a, had the, the gospel in Arabic. And he says, oh, you really care about me. You're giving me my, my own language. I said, yes. God cares about you. He loves you. It was the best day when someone explained that to me. Oh, very impressive, very impressive. I said, well, good. I'm glad I can impress you. <laughs> it wasn't really me, but he said, oh, you care about me. You found a paper in, in Arabic. I can't read Arabic for anything. 
I keep a couple different tracks in my briefcase, so if I see someone that's a different language, I find a Jewish person, I try to give them a Jewish track. If I find someone, a Spanish, I keep a Spanish track with me because those are two that I, I oftentimes are familiar with. Give to you, well, you, you show me something, you care about me. This is surprising to me. But oh, I wanted to know about Jesus Christ. That's what we ought to do. We, we can't just go, watch my life only, and then you might be saved. That happens very rarely. I was a had a neighbor in, in Long Beach, California. He's right over here. He's in the wheelchair right there. His name is Junius Aculia. And uh, one day, after I knew him for about eight years, he knocked on my door on a Thursday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning, crying. He said, Pastor, I'm not saved. Can you show me how to be saved? And he came into my house, and we sat on my couch, and I led him to Christ. But that's the only time that ever happened to me. <laughs> Most every other time, I've been at somebody else's place. They didn't start the conversation. I did. And boy, every Christian ought to be a soul winner. Just keep talking to you. Come to Jesus. I was talking to a man last night. His name is Adrian. And I uh, went to, yo, Adrian. <laughs> anyway, I just, uh, I said, yo, Adrian. No, I didn't really. I said, Adrian, do you know for sure if you died, you go to heaven? He said, yes. I said, oh, that's great. And he became a friend. And the Lord put him right there in the same airplane with me and right this one seat away and got to talk to him a little bit about Christ. But it's, it's wonderful. If you go to Jesus, people who accept Jesus have already done it, they're happy. People who have not need to hear it. And oh, let's be a speaking church. But they told the church what happened. Let's look at verse 24. And they went and heard, the, and when they heard that, when the church heard it, they lifted up their, would you say the next word? Does it say voices in your Bible? This is a singular. Lift up their voice to God with one accord. They begin to pray together. It's almost like they said the same thing. Lord, thou art God, which hath made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is them, them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up the, to the rulers and they gathered together against the Lord and, and against his Christ and of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, um, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, and to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel hath before determined before to be done. I'm going to just give you a couple thoughts real quickly. Here we find the church gets the report, and what do they do with the report? They begin to break out in prayer. Prayer is not always the most exciting thing in church, but I think it may be one of the most essential things in church. It may be not the most exciting thing you do in a day's time, but I think it's the most important thing you do in a day's time. I was talking with a man one time, and he, he was in Egypt. When I was preaching in Egypt, they would oftentimes bring, the people who were not, not Christians would bring their demon-possessed sons or daughters sometimes to the service. After we had finished preaching, they would beckon us over and say, would you please do something? I've tried to go to, to the mosque, and, and it's not working. And my son is, has a problem. And he screams, and he goes into convulsion, and he scratches, and he hurts himself, and he hurts his mom and me. And this is all through translation. And oftentimes when you preach in foreign countries, especially third world countries, especially where, where the devil has a great oppression upon them. They'll come, and they're looking for hope. And it's scary, quite frankly. It's scary to me. I don't like it. 
when you're dealing with demons. But you know one thing I had an old pastor tell me one time, especially when he was an Egyptian. He said this. He said, Pastor, if you will pray, if you'll pray, lay your hands on the demons, and you pray. He said, they cannot resist the prayers of God's people. If you're right with God and you pray, there's a power that takes place at that moment. Doesn't mean they'll get saved. Doesn't mean they'll come to know the Lord. But don't have to be afraid if you'll pray. Boy, isn't it something how prayer seems to be so foreign to us? It's oftentimes very easy to work eight hours than to pray for 30 minutes. We got all kinds of time. We can watch a two and a half game where the Cubs lose again. But boy, we try to go to prayer and all of a sudden five minutes phew, goes by. Like, how long have I been here? An hour and a half, you know? And it's not a joy. We needs to be a joy. It needs to be a, pre- a preeminent thing. Paul told Timothy, I would that first of all, that prayers, intercession. Oh, what grief we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not everything to God in. The church had a problem. Their two pastors came home and said, man, we got arrested. I don't think it's going to get better from here. They said, if we do it again, we're going to be punished. They're going to come after us. And they did. They would eventually kill their pastor. It went into some crazy times. Much of the book of Acts has got all that persecution. But when the church heard about a problem, they prayed. Let me tell you three, four things about the prayer and we're done. Number one, their prayer was packed with praise. Someone said all powerful prayer is packed with praise. Don't try to say that five times. That'd be hard. But, you know, when we pray, they opened up with saying, God, the God who created the heavens and the earth. Isn't it amazing how popular evolution is? It's as foolish as you can imagine. Even the known scientists today are trying to reject it, but their only other option is divine design. They can't accept that. So they'd rather try to find missing links than just to believe that God was the creator of the world. I heard a guy the other day say, you know, he believed in so much in evolution, he said, you know, if you take a watch and you assembled all the parts and you put it in, an, in a never-ending dryer, and you let it keep going, it will finally come into a watch. That guy's got rooms to rent upstairs, man. How could you get to that? You know, the Bible tells us that the wisdom of this world is foolishness. When you X out God out of things. And when they prayed, they said, you know what we're praying? We want to praise you, God, because you are the one who made everything. It was the last time you thanked God for his creation. You looked yourself in the mirror and you said, man, it's amazing, I can see myself. You hear a bird singing, you think, I can hear that. You can walk and motor. You can put two and two and make four. You can emotionally logic with someone. You know why you can do that? Because you're made by God. He said, you made heaven and earth. Number two, their prayer had previous scripture inserted. You know, God has honored his word above his name. He loves his word. And they quoted for him Psalm 2. And they said, you know, why do the heathen imagine a vain thing? Why do they think they can rise up against God? And they quote an Old Testament passage. 
You know, when you pray, it might be good, number one, to start your prayer with praise. Number two, include something God has said in his word. Number two, number three, they said that you involve God's providence or his sovereignty. He said, Lord, even before the foundations of the world, you had a plan if Adam and Eve chose to sin, that you would send your son, which you, pre, you preordained, you predetermined that the innocent Jesus would die for you and I, the guilty. That was in the heart of God, his love. God so loved the world that he, his only begotten, that whosoever would believe in him, aren't you glad salvation is easy? Believe and receive. That's how it takes to go to heaven. That's how it takes to have your sins forgiven, is believing that Jesus, the innocent, died for you and I, the guilty. And only through his death we can have life. He included praise. He included previous scriptures that he gave. Number three, he included the understanding that God had providentially and sovereignly already knew that this was going to happen. And then they petitioned. It's interesting here. They didn't say, Lord, I want you to make sure these guys are in office now and get kicked out of office. That's not what they prayed. They said, Lord, whatever's in our future, give us boldness to use it to speak again. He said, I want you not to take us out of the problem, but use the problem to give us a chance to speak again about the things of God. He tells us in the last part of the verse, and there's wonderful things that take place in the scriptures. But he, he reminds us the importance of learning to use your difficulty. Are you going through a difficult time? You might be. And if you haven't had one, you might have one this week. But you, could you see that through the lenses of the gospel of Christ? God may be giving you a chance to speak to someone you would not speak to any other way. Don't miss your chance. And when you have a problem, let me encourage you to pray immediately. Pray to the Creator God. Remind Him of His scriptures. Trust His providential plan. And then petition Him for boldness to use it to speak the gospel of Christ to others. Some of you, you have spheres of influence that your pastor and no other assistant pastor and maybe no other Christian will have quite the opportunity to talk to that person like you can. And one day you're going to see them, either at the judgment seat of Christ or at the great white throne judgment. And a lot of it's going to depend upon, did I use my mouth to say what I needed to say? And here's, what, here's my thought. If I don't pray for the opportunity to be bold in my witness, I'm probably going to miss the chance. I think one of the things we ought to do, especially for soul winning, is make sure we pray for the lost. And pray for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus with us.